what's up? It's Fox 13's Big Buddha, and you're listening to Old Ute Radio. And welcome back to Old Ute Radio. I'm Johnny McKeon. With me in studio, Sasha Bloom, Sarah Isaacson. Our featured guest today is Stephen Fales, actor, writer, producer. Uh, he has uh, three live solo plays that were off-Broadway. He has Confessions of a Mormon Boy, Missionary Position, and Prodigal Dad. Hey, How yo. You doing, Steve? <laughs> Good. Good. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really cool having you in here. Um, we've never had a uh, playwright in, so uh-huh. this is going to be really interesting. This is going to be a treat for me. I know this is going to be a treat for Sarah. Yes. She's very excited to have you in. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> So tell us about Confessions of a Mormon Boy. Let's let's start at the beginning. Right? Yeah, let me know. Right. Is that intriguing, that title to you? Yes, it's very intriguing. Okay, good, good. Everyone wants to know. You know, for a while, everything was Confessions this, Confessions that, but I really try to earn the title Confessions. So, um, you You did. (laughs) (laughs) You watched that, I watched it, yes. We filmed it live off-Broadway, and uh, we're trying to figure out what to do with it, but... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, it's my autobiographical one man play. And, uh, I just started writing it when my f- life fell apart really? you know, I'd done all the Shakespeare and the musicals. I had this MFA in acting, whatever that is. And, um, you know, I really just wanted to be on Broadway, but life took a detour and, and to, to, uh, put life together again, I started writing about my life and it deals about being the perfect Mormon boy on one extreme and the perfect rent boy on the other extreme. <laughs> and then coming to a middle ground where I, it, it's just, about what it is to be human really? and what it is to just be a dad. And I have two kids. So a lot of it's about, you know, my, my story as a dad. So, so what exactly happened? You were the, the perfect model Mormon and yeah. then you realized your sexuality. I mean, can you walk me through that? What happened? Yeah. So I was a sixth generation Mormon. My people settled Utah. Um, and so I was born into the culture, huge Mormon family. We all smile and all that stuff. And, uh, I was a Mormon missionary, um, went to Portugal on my mission, uh, I went to BYU, married this, uh, this, this, uh, this starlet at BYU. Um, but I was always same sex attracted, always had that, that, those feelings for men, but I was able to suppress them. You know, I was able to, you know, to avoid being bullied in my family and on the playground. I used to try to butch it up if that was possible. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah. So after uh, six years of marriage, um, and doing all the reparative therapy to keep me as straight as possible, really? I realized it was not going to go away. And that my ex-wife and I, my wife at the time, we we, we would need to, uh, we're going to have to deal with it. So um, I came out and in in one breath, I was excommunicated formally, tried as a homosexual. Uh, This was in the year 2000. And then I lost custody of the kids, divorced, and I kind of had a psychic break. My whole identity, I just kind of cracked. And uh, I I was this outcast and I, I went to New York. Um, I'd gone to grad school in Connecticut, so I had a lot of connections in New York and I just wanted to, you know, be in any Broadway show that would take me. And I got swept away into a gay adolescence that was like absolutely fantastic, but was killing me, Really, which included, uh, uh, full-time, uh, uh, what I consider to be, um, I volunteered for top shelf human trafficking on Park Avenue. Really? Wow. And so wow. I was living this double life and, uh, I had this huge aha and, uh, uh, I, I stopped all of that, stopped that escorting and, uh, started writing about life. And, uh, and this one man play did change my life. So I, I've did it all. I've done it all over the world. We had a huge off Broadway run. I've done it in London, Los Angeles, all over the place. I've been doing it. And then the other plays and uh, we're getting ready to revive it in New York. 
Oh wow, that's so, amazing! So wait, hold on a yeah, second. Yeah, there's a whole lot. Did he do that? What do you mean? <laughs> You're not just letting me keep talking? <laughs> you got questions? You want to know more? <laughs> uh, um, I, I want to go back almost to the beginning. You said you did reparative therapy. Yes. So, so you tried to what? Pray the gay away? Yes, what? exactly. All this, uh, you know, reparative therapy, conversion therapy. I don't know anyone that did it. To as 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 intensely as I wanted to do it, you know, I yeah. had everything at stake. I, I I wanted, so you know, what's interesting is the play is now more timely than ever because the new GOP platform includes very clearly conversion therapy. You know, is is legitimate and it's actually quackery, and um, so. Yeah. So you got your whole life thrown away because you like men. Did you got kicked out of your church? Yeah. You, you lost your you wife. You lost your wife? Yeah. You lost your job? Did you lose the job there in there? Well, being in the theater, it it, it kind of in Mormondom, yes. Yeah. The, the here in Utah, if you're in the theater, there's so many closeted men who are in the theater and what the, I was told at BYU is, Stephen, don't ever come out of the closet cuz you'll never get hired. Yeah. Wow. So even in the arts here in Utah, you have all of these closeted men that are, you know, trying to do this this uh, Mormon propaganda art, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's this safe little world. And if you come out of the closet in Utah, you will not work, generally speaking. Or you've got to really keep it low-key. I have worked in Utah at the Utah Shakespearean Festival, Pioneer Theater Company, um, Sundance Summer Theater. I've seen a lot of what the local situation is. And um, it's getting much better. But in the year 2000, you know... Um, I had to leave Utah to, to be me. And I want to share something else yeah. that you'll find interesting. And this is the funny, bizarre wrinkle in my story. I married a woman whose, whose dad was gay and who died of AIDS. And um, he died in 1984. His name was Gerald. And he was married to this woman named Carolyn Pearson. Now, Carolyn is probably the most famous writer of Mormon arts and letters that has ever been. Um, and she's highly revered. She was a Mormon propaganda artist in the beginning. So she was writing all the films for the Mormon church at BYU Motion Picture Studios. And she'd write these, these, these cheesy, wonderful children's musicals yeah. and, and wow. all of this. And her husband was gay. Wow. And when he came out, they fled Utah, moved to Northern Cal. Together? He lived on the Castro. What? Together? Yeah. Well, they did. They left yeah. Utah together to preserve her, her career as a poet and a playwright and this Mormon. She's Mormon royalty. Yeah. So when they moved to Northern California, he moved to the Castro and uh, my ex-wife would go to the Castro on the weekends <laughs> and it was quite a scene. I mean, my ex-wife had a PhD in gay studies, before, you know, before really? I even, I mean, she just seen it all. <laughs> so she, was your no typi- she was your typical Provo, you know, Mormon girl. Quite cosmopolitan. But anyway, when he died, when he got AIDS, you know, his ex-wife, Carolyn Pearson, brought him home to die. And um, it was quite a story. And she capitalized on it. She wrote a national bestseller called Goodbye, I Love You, published by Random House. And she became the patron saint of gay Mormon men and women. And so I married the daughter, Emily. And we thought we could write a different story. 
from her parents and that there was this new reparative therapy that her dad didn't have. Mm. And it was so seductive how it was packaged by focus on the family and all this stuff. And it was, and there was this national association of research and therapy of male homosexuality. And, and this was in the early nineties when this was going to be the answer. So I, I was seduced by it. We both were. And we thought with this therapy that we could, we could come overcome anything. So your wife knew that you were gay. Yes. I yeah. told her, I told her, so why Before. did you why do you get divorced then? Is just too much social pressure or Well, um yeah, that's a good question, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not just about me coming out as gay, but yeah. we had a kind of agreements and I would take on her 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 demons. Mm. And she had her own her own demons, then I would erase myself for her mm. healing and we would uh, have Mormon babies, Mormon salvation and Mormon art. Yeah. Who needs Total self-fulfillment in the bedroom when you got all that, right? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but she wasn't happy. And I I moved us back from the East Coast. I set us up in Sandy here in Utah. And uh, and then I was like, we're going to be spinning our wheels. And uh, I'm going to do some things here to see if this is really me. And it kind of really was, except we had these kids. So we weren't able to work anything out because also... She was super duper 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 super duper Mormon at the time. Mm. That's mm. difficult. Mm-hmm. When I was a student in journalism, my beat for most of my time there was the LGBTQ movement in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And in my studying, I never have found the answer why it's okay for a state to segregate and to dehumanize a group of people. And no one's ever been able to come and explain it to me why it's okay to take people's civil liberties away from them and destroy families. I mean, with the amount of gay young men who are homeless and suicidal, suicidal, that we have one of the highest suicide rates Mm -hmm. in the country for young gay men Mm -hmm. and how these people like Governor Herbert and all these legislators just sit up on their hill and pretend we have the greatest state in the world, but you drive a mile away to Pioneer Park and it's filled with men who are thrown out of their family because they don't like vagina. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it blows yeah. my mind that it's acceptable. Like people go to North Carolina, the NBA says, well, we're not going to have the all-star game there. Well, why are we even having an NBA team in Salt Lake City? Because this is a segregated society. It is not... It just blows my mind um, how rude and mean people are in the LDS faith. Well, it, it, it's the doctrine. Yeah. The doctrine informs it. Yeah. Mormon eternity is very specific in its gender rigidity. Mm. Yeah. It has well, that's a good word. Rigidity. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm waxing so erudite today. There are a lot of rules when you die. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, men are this way and, and, and you're going to populate and procreation is, a you know, the doctrine dictates mm what is lived out in people's lives. And that's why, you know, people are like, well, you know, you can't attack belief. You, you gotta allow everyone to believe things. You know, it's like, you know, when your beliefs step on my, my rights and your, your fantasy of what eternity is going to look like, um, jeopardizes my own family. You know, it's going to try to, you're going to try to keep me from my kids in the afterlife by, by keeping them away here on earth and, and it just like starts. And so you get alienated from, alienated from your own children. Your children are suffering. 
you know, and there's so much pain and then you feel worthless and all of a sudden I can see how suicide would, you know, start to look like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not worth anything. You can still get thrown out of your house for being gay if your landlord doesn't like you. Yep. Right. You can still be terminated in Utah for being gay or lesbian or bi or transgender and it's okay. It, the, these policymakers allow it. The Obama administration and the Trump administration uh, continue to pour federal money into our state. And everyone just says, yeah, we're, the, we're Utah. We're, we're the young, hip city. We're bringing in Apple and Facebook. Adobe and all these Netflix. other companies. And these companies are starting to be like, wow, you guys are profoundly racist and profoundly sexist. homophobic and yeah. homophobic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the government's pulling ROTC out of BYU as we speak because of their anti-gay policies. Really? Well, here's my yeah. mission to the gays themselves. Yeah. yeah, please. We got all that going on, right? Yeah. Well, and it's pretty, it, it sucks, right? Yeah. But let's not drink and drug ourselves to that. Mm-hmm. We don't have to sell our bodies over this. At least seven days a week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's like some of us, we take all of that and we're like, well, you know, what's the use? And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there that's almost, well, I must say, can be even worse yeah. than yeah. the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. The Mormon church can trigger us, though, into behaviors that make us victim, vulnerable to, I mean, I really do take on human trafficking in New York City, yeah. because then we leave Utah. Oh my gosh, right? Mm-hmm. We leave Utah, we go to the big cities, and guess what's waiting for us? Have you ever seen Pinocchio? Yes. yes. Right? And the, the Pleasure Island? Oh, yes. Right? Yes. And, and, and that actor that deceives, you know, the, 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 the kind of the underground, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the boys are playing in Pleasure Island, and they literally get locked up and trafficked. Yeah. As they become donkeys and mm-hmm. they be, they lose who they are completely and they're going to be completely. So that's what Confessions of a Mormon Boy is, is talking about. Yes, spiritual abuse and religious violence on this end. And it's horrible. But yet also on the other extreme, it's almost like a different cult. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they get you when you're vulnerable in Mormonism and they get you when you're vulnerable over here. So what is it to grow up from within ourselves? What is it to to claim our power and not be victims to either side and to stand in our dignity and, and live as healthy as we can. To me, it's not so much about the quantity of our rights anymore as it is the quality of our lives. And um, so confessions, actually, in a very funny way, <laughs> believe it or not, we do it with a lot of humor and we delve with all of these extremities. And what is it to find a middle ground? So how do you... How do, when did you decide to not continually self-sabotage yourself and to allow the, these demons on your shoulders just to let them go? Well, I had this aha that yeah. I, I articulated about it in the play. So I'm, I, you know, these 9-11 had just happened, mm. right? And the world's falling apart in New York. And this, this couple that lived in Sandy, who were, who were Democrats, they, they, they talk about this course that, they, that I should take. I'm like, what? You know, another, there's not a cult I haven't tried. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> So I walk into this seminar, right? Nobody is ever going to know my secrets, right? And they start talking about transformation and all this shit. And I'm just like, whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'm really, I'm really taking inventory. And I realize I've got this story that my dad doesn't love me. And I can prove it. And I got this story. Oh, my gosh. My brother, 
he was the favorite, and my dad always hated me, and all this story, this story. And, and, and so we really can double down on, on these things that happen and make it even worse in our head. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Until the point was I was self-destructing. I was looking for my father's love and money in the penthouses of New York. It all comes down to mommy and daddy. Really? So, you know, anyhow, I, I had this pretty profound thing, and I, I talk about it in the show, and I call my dad. I call him. I said, this is what I'm doing, and this is what I've been thinking, and that you don't love me, and this and that. And my dad's like, Stephen, I have always, always loved you. And I started reaching out. Even though my dad is this bishop, Mormon doctor, you know, perfectly conservative, you know, I really had to start letting my dad get cut my dad break because I wanted to crucify him. Yeah. So I was taking out my anger on the Mormon church and my anger at, at my dad. And I used that to justify doing whatever I wanted. And it was you who didn't love yourself, right? It wasn't your family. It wasn't. Well, my me. dad is cheap. <laughs> my dad's a cheap, yeah. cheap, yeah. cheap. Yeah. But does that mean that I then, in order to survive and, you know, and have New York the way I want it and not have to struggle like all the others, that I have to take – I'm going to take a shortcut and think that I can – you know, that this yeah. escorting is a really good thing actually comes from a lot of, um, you know uh, – so it was a racket. It was yeah. this racket I was running on my dad. And as long as I would crucify my dad, make my dad the, the scapegoat for my problems, not take accountability – for my own choices, that's where I was self-destructing when I took responsibility for my life and recreated some things. That's when life started to work again. So, so there was almost like a pendulum effect. So you go from being disillusioned by your faith to finding like you're discovering your sexuality, I, it seems to be, in New York. And then it kind of led to you going down this path of selling yourself. Like, tell me about that. What, well, how did that happen? I mean, think of the self-esteem you must have to, to let men penetrate you. Yeah. And so even if I was making 500 an hour, I'm only worth 500 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But there has to be a rush and an excitement for prostitution, right? Oh, darling. (laughs) (laughs) It's like any good cult right at the beginning. Your world expands. There's all this money. There's all these new experiences. And then your world gets smaller and smaller, actually. And Mm -hmm. so... You know, I uh, I kind of take on that experience. It's I, I yeah. it's really glamorous at the beginning, and then then the meth comes in. Really, because you can't stand how you feel, mm. right? And so you're binging off the clock, so, and then it all little by little crashes down, and you realize I'm going to be just like you know. One of the things I saw you know, see Moulin Rouge the the movie. Yeah, yes. I love that movie. Love right? Yeah. So there's Nicole Kidman in her red dress, and she's this courtesan. And she's singing up on that, eleva- that elephant. She wants to be a real actress, right? And she is not available for any of those bohemian values of, of truth and, and freedom and beauty and stuff because she's, she's stuck in this. She's a transaction. Mm-hmm. That's all yes. she is. She, can't, she has no true freedom. And I remember seeing that as an escort going, I am dying. I'm going to die like her. And I've got these kids and they're not going to know how much I love them. And, 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 and I'm going to die like my, my, my ex-wife's dad died. And my kids aren't going to know. And my, my mother-in-law is going to write my story. And she's going to make it all pretty. And she's going to take it. She's going to whitewash me. And then she's gonna, it's going to be all about her. <laughs> She'll get an Oscar off Just like my mother. It's all about my mother. We haven't talked about my mother yet. 
<laughs> so listen, man, I have been on a journey ever since I started telling this story and it gets deeper and deeper. And then you do get to do some therapy and then you, you know, yeah. and you start to, you know, you, you grow in, into who you're meant to be, I hope. So, so now, yeah, you just stand naked with yourself and you're just, you've, lost all disillusionment excuses there's you know justifications what's left and what's left yeah yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you found it well you start to according to this course that i took you start inventing new possibilities for yourself and you start working toward it so it's taking a lot of work and it hasn't been roses there so know. as your life starts to manifest itself into something that's more happy and something you can take ownership of You've started this journal or a diary. How do you take all your thoughts that you're throwing into paper and then create a play and mm. to follow the yeah. rules and etiquettes of being a playwright? Because it's not easy. No, I didn't think I was going to be a writer. Yeah. And I'm like, after my excommunication, which is this medieval, medieval barbaric cult tactic, and it was so fantastical how they were exterminating me spiritually, lynching me there in this church court. Like, it was so fantastical. I'm like, someone needs to write about this. They're doing it all with this smile. And, and I'm like, I'm dying inside. And I, I know my other people are getting excommunicated. So I, I, um, I thought someone should write about it. And then it was like, tag, you're it. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. So I started... I just was open to, okay, I'm going to do a solo. I'm going to do a one-man play about my excommunication. And so no matter where I was, I would once I decided to do it, i get these ideas. And so wherever I was, I would start writing them down. I'd be at the gym, and, and I, I need to borrow some paper, and I'd be like, I got this idea. And then I'd be in the shower. I'd get out of the shower and write this idea. I'd be on the subway to write this idea. And I would just literally put these pieces of paper on my table mm. at, in, in New York. Until I just like, and I have this writing notebook and I just start writing ideas. And, um, and then I stopped that escorting and I got this, um, grant from some professors. I said, listen, I, I need to clean up my life, but I want to write this play. And I, I, someone threw me a rope and wow. gave me a break. Wow. So I took an, I took this, like this month <clears throat> and I, um, I started writing a first draft and then I set dates for like an opening on and some and some uh, 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 readings to get me up to there, and I was in New York, and I booked the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center. It had just opened here in in, in Salt Lake, mm. and I I booked the theater without even having written the play yet. Ooh. So I set a oh. deadline. That's yeah. ambitious. <laughs> I, I had everything at stake. Put your ass on the line, right? <laughs> so. And so I had about six months to come up with a bunch of different drafts and do some readings. And I did some readings here and there. I did it at the Sunstone Symposium. On, and I was serious about this. And, um, and then I, I did it here in Salt Lake. And it, you know, I knew if I, I did it here, I could make it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I came in from New York. If I, could, if I could relate to the other gay Mormons in Salt Lake in the year 2001, you know, no one was telling their story full out, you know, mm -hmm. at that time. And, um, and this was like two blocks away from the Mormon Vatican. I mean, I was scared to death. Yeah. I was scared for my life to tell my story there on stage. And, um, how did you overcome that fear? Like how, like, well, I called this friend. I said, what am I going to do? I'm like crying. This is like two hours before the preview. Oh. You know, I, I, I'm losing my voice. And she's like, well, Steven, you've done a lot of stupid things in your life. 
you know, but what is it you want to do now? Mm. And I just came out and I said, I want to spin as much love on that stage that it transforms everyone who sees it. It just came out of me. And my voice started coming back. And I, I, I went across the street to check to see if anyone had even bought a ticket to the preview. It was sold out. Whoa. <laughs> and I, wasn't, I, I was having trouble with my lines and everything before. And I, I, I had to pull the curtain to the show for the <laughs> star drop, <laughs> the Mormon Eternity star drop, this early version that I had done where I, you know, and, and I walk out and I just was like, you know, when you have that inner like purpose, things just fall into place and, and the silence is where they needed. The laughs were where they needed. And I, and confessions of a Mormon made boy sense. was born here in Salt Lake city, Utah. Wow. And then I've done it all over the world. Wow. And I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, there, I've never acted anything I've written, and there's a lot of writers that write, and you're an actor and a writer. Mm-hmm. How did acting inform or change your writing, if at all? Well, to riff on that, the hard part is the writing, dropping down into the well, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and then as the, the actor, that's, that's the easier part, especially if you're kind of a trained actor. Um, it's just a script. But writing the script was the real gut-wrenching part. Um, but then, you know, you do, as you're doing different versions of the show um, and you're developing it, you get a sense for the audience feedback, uh, you know, what's working, what's not. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the piece was shaped by a, a, an amazing world-class director named Jack Hofsis, who won his Tony Award for the original Elephant Man on Broadway. So Jack... Jack's a playwright's director. Um, and so we would do some workshops and we tried it out of town and he's in some really great tryouts. And that's how you, you know, you, you act it and you work on it. What's tricky about doing your own work is like, you also have to like, I'm creating actually a persona. So it's me, but there's a persona of me. So also, you know, and, so I, I used to want to play anyone but me, <laughs> you know. It, it's easier that way, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but who, who, who am I? And then there came a place where I don't want to play anyone but me. And one thing I did do, you should know, is I I took a stand up comedy uh, workshop before I started really writing it because I knew these serious subjects needed to be funny, or it was just going to be too significant. You know, yeah, need some levity. Yeah. So this show actually started as a five minute stand up routine at Caroline's on Broadway for this this uh, at the American Comedy Institute. So that's wow. that. Wow. You know, you know, you get the help that you need to do it well. It's not just I. I just all of a sudden, yeah, it was. It came from me, but there were angels that that it came to help me. What allowed you to allow the playwright? to be created because i know that a lot of people will write something whether it's music or a book or whatever and then they'll reread it and they're like oh this sucks and they write it up and throw it away because i think it takes a (laughs) tremendous amount of courage to allow something that you've read Mm -hmm. to become published and if it's a playwright then actually be created yeah there's a lot of stories about how that first novel or that play got shelved Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And then they finally get the courage 20 years later to dust off the manuscript. And they're like, wow, that's better than I thought. So you have to let your parents, you know, you, you, my, what my dad might think, what my parents might think, what my church might think, what my kids might think. You have to start letting go of what they might think, right? The only thing that really mattered to me was what my kids thought ultimately. But I was worried what my mother-in-law would think. She's so powerful and she's got this literary <laughs> empire, you know, and these sequels and all this, you know, she'd done all this stuff. But deep down, I, I, I knew I was a writer, even though I was in a performer, you know, I, I knew I had something to say uh, in my heart. Ultimately, I was a poet. And um, so, yeah, you, you have to be willing to face the possible rejection, the scrutiny, um, the hate, the haters. Um, but well, what, what was the reception like? Like, did you get a lot of backlash for these performances or I think the worst was from my family and they went and saw it. Different people would see it or they would hear about it and they let you have it. They haven't seen it, but they're going to let you have about it. I had this one like great aunt write to me and she's like, Stephen, you know, our, our pioneer ancestors crossed the plains and you know, they were Mormon and you're using the word Mormon in the title. And you actually, you know, she's saying you're shitting all over your ancestors, basically. And, you know, the guilt trips. And I realize that it's not what I'm saying. It's it's that I'm saying anything. Yeah. Uh, It's that I'm saying anything. I'm not going to be pleasable. Please, everyone. So you have to let go of that pleaser. Um, You know, I want to please my family, these people, those people. I want to impress all the reviewers. Mm-hmm. And then you realize you get these love letter reviews and then you get these reviews that, you know, can't stand your work. And so then you realize I'm writing for me. I guess what I'm really trying to say is you have to let go of your perfectionism. And when you were trying to be perfect your whole life, like I was, you got to, ha- you got to, you got to check that perfectionist at the door so that you can really just play. And so it's been really a journey about not needing to be perfect anymore. So where do I get to watch this play? Well, <laughs> thank you for asking. <laughs> um, Confessions of a Mormon Voice is going to be revived in New York uh, off-Broadway in 2018. Wow. So 2017 is about preparing for that. And how that starts is I'm going to be doing it in Provincetown um, this summer. And then we're going to do a, a mini, you know, U.S. tour again here in the fall. And I've played Chicago, San Francisco. I've bl- I played everywhere. But we're going to, you know, finish up this original version of Confessions. And we're going to do a – the beginning of 2018, we're going on a world tour where it starts in Hawaii, then in, in January. And then we go to Australia and Hong Kong and Cape Town and Tel Aviv, the English-speaking world. Since playing London and getting those reviews, I can play those places pretty well. And then we come into fall 2018 and we do the a new version called Confessions Revisited. And we have the book Oxymormon Memoirs that comes out with it. And we have um, the documentary film that we're working on called Mormon Boy, which is the journey of a storyteller. Right now, if you want to listen to it, though, you can go to iTunes or Amazon. And it's Confessions of a Mormon Boy live from London is uh, basically that off-Broadway version. And then we did film it, but I'm sitting on that, not releasing it until, you know, we refilm it in 2018 when we're doing it in New York. Wow. So downtown Salt Lake City's 
spent hundred, uh, I wouldn't say hundreds of millions, but they've spent millions of dollars in revitalizing Broadway and bringing off Broadway to Salt Lake, kind of like a stopover between New York to L.A. Yeah, the Eccles. Yeah, the yeah. new Eccles it's Theater. Beautiful. I mean, Love that I theater. S- I saw James yeah. There. yeah. Yeah. Would do we ever get to see your play in Salt Lake City down the road, or is this? Well, I have done it a lot. Yeah. in Salt Lake. Yeah. So I'm I'm not going to be doing it here locally until that revival happens. Mm. You know, I might develop something new or try something new out. Salt Lake is good for that for me. If your show sells really well, would the Eccles Theater have it? Or so if it ha- it's completely more LDS owned, that building, you know, it's got yeah. the LDS stamp on yeah. it. Well, they're doing the Book of Mormon there um, in that Eccles. Mm-hmm. Wow. So they may own the theater, but they also start licensing what the hot tickets are in mm-hmm. New York and, you know, the off-Broadway and the Broadway tickets. So the plan is to, to take confessions to the level um, – a bigger level than it's ever been. And then that's when you get booked in the spaces like the Eccles all over the country. Mm. And so they're part of that Broadway live circuit. And um, since the Book of Mormon has been playing, I don't see why I can't, you know, before the Book of Mormon, there was a Mormon boy. <laughs> and you know what I remember? Yeah. <laughs> you brought them up and I brought them up. You know, uh, my marketing, if you look at my marketing, you Google me, Stephen Fales. Yeah. My last name's Fales, F as in Frank, A-L-E-S. Google image, Stephen Fales, Mormon boy. And you'll see the marketing and the artwork for my show. And you will see how South Park took it. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, I'm not wow. kidding. Wow. They took my marketing and uh spun their own thing and they're not even Mormon and da 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 da. da. But anyway, yeah. I don't have any resentments about them. <laughs> and um but we're going to uh we're going to follow up. We were just talking about that outside before we started. Uh yeah. we were the flagship radio show at the University of Utah and our show is All Ute Radio. Mm. And so our acronym is R O U R. And mm. we we kind of have always ran with it. And about two and a half, three years ago, the marketing department at the University of Utah says, hey, we really like OUR. Can we have it? Mm. We said no. Nope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm working a women's basketball game yesterday at the Huntsman Center. And there's a big T-shirt that says our state with our actual emblem that we had built. That you made. <laughs> yeah, we just and found out. Yeah. It's like you've got to be kidding me, right? So, what do you do? Do, yeah. you, do, you, do you put your Can't pennies s- together and go sue them? I work for the Pac-12 Network. I'd be out of a job. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> There's only a couple jobs here. Yeah, <laughs> he works for all of them. Yeah, to buy. Yeah. You know, speak, you know, this just it's just part of the business. You know, like some of my images, like for missionary position, some. Um, what so, a great yes, name, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I was well, ask you about so that. I wrote the Mormon Boy Trilogy. And if you want to look up the review for the Mormon Boy Trilogy, I was reviewed in the Washington Post like a few years ago. And it's this, it's the, a really, I'm really proud of that review. So Mormon Boy Trilogy, Washington Post, take a look at that review. But the trilogy is um, after Confessions, Life Continued. And uh, I knew I wanted to write Prodigal Dad, which is part three, but... I needed to do some filler in between. So I wrote this show about my Mormon mission to Portugal called Missionary Position. <laughs> I thought of making a mission statement, but I, uh, I just can't help but be more provocative. Yeah. So in Missionary Position, though, I do take on the um, temple ceremonies in the temple. And I literally wear the green fig-leafed aprons that we wear in the Freemason rituals what? that Joseph Smith reinvented. <laughs> and all the handshakes and all of the... Um, the signs and the tokens and things. And I do it with a lot of affinity and affection, but man, I got, I, I got completely, um, 
if I wasn't disowned by some family members uh, after confessions, well, after missionary position, I when you tell your truth, you got to face you're gonna consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my yeah. So missionary position is a lot of fun, and uh, but it was just to get to prodigal dad, which is part three. And life continues, and so part three is about how I had to fight for my rights in the Utah courts to see my kids because because you're gay. Basically, yeah, yeah, and also we're dealing with family law, and uh, you know when I was talking about my my mother in law, she's you know kind of the Chris Jenner, and I kind of married the blonde Kim Kardashian of Mormondom, <laughs> and so they were a reality literary reality family, and when I started taking my story, I stepped on their brand, yeah, and so they 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 uh, made things really hard for me as I was succeeding, so things got better. But sometimes they get worse before they get better. So I wrote a whole trilogy about life. So for the young uh, man, young woman, and other who want to live who they are and come out and be themselves, what advice do you give them? Because you, you've you've run the gamut, you know. Mm-hmm. As you're, you need a little more strategy than I did. You know, I'm a little impulsive and reckless. But in the end, it's worked out. But it put me at risk. So make sure you have a roof over your head. Make sure you have food to eat. And then make sure, you know, and then you can take your calculated risks. If you just go, hey, this is who I am, and I don't care where I'm sleeping. I don't care what I'm eating. You know, maybe right now that, you know, you're not even out of high school. And you do need a place to live and eat. So be clever. Be smart, be shrewd, you know, don't be too impulsive. So like, be, be really wise about how you're doing this, you know, cause I don't want you to be out on the street, you know, where you can be, uh, fall prey to a lot of things out there. Um, so and there's resources now, the Utah AIDS foundation, equality. Now there are, if equality you're Utah, yeah. desperate, you, there's people that will help you and feed you and house you. And yeah, that is true. But there are a lot of people that will can exploit you as sure. well. Yeah. And let me tell you, the bars out there are not always the friendliest place. No. And the Ecstasy's apps. a hell of a drug. Yeah. That's right. And the apps out there, you got a lot of men that are ready to prey on you because you're young and you're cute and you need a place to stay. I don't need you doing survival sex while you're being you, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. you can get hurt. Is, is that you, what led to escorting? Survival sex? It like, was a form of that in a way. Yeah. But also, I didn't want to work hard. Oh, okay. You know, I, 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 you know, I was entitled to my party and my gay adolescence, right? Yeah. And look how cute I still am. And so there was a lot of that that made me vulnerable, my own stuff going on. So here's, here's, what, I, here's what I think. Okay. We need your creativity in, in a productive way. You can get really creative in the bedroom, and that's a lot of fun, but we need you for politics. We need you for your art. We need you for the the services and the value. And so um, don't just run away to have a gay adolescence. Make sure you're planning for your future. Make sure you're like, you know, you're willing to work hard. Like I have learned to walk. I mean, when uh, in the recession, rather than sell my body and, you know, go get some car, I've learned to walk. I learned to take the bus. I've learned that I don't need to be fabulous, right? Can do, there's no shortcuts. Do it the slow, steady way. And there's sometimes, you know, you're, it's lonely. But it's lonely. Yeah. Uh, it's not fabulous. 
you might even be a little hungry, but keep your integrity and keep, you know, uh, so I'm just going to say, be careful. Don't be falling into a victim place and watch your anger and, and reach out to people like me and find mentors, real mentors that aren't going to take advantage of you and just not going to tell you everything you want to hear, but they're going to be rooting for your long-term success because we need you alive. We need you well and welcome. Welcome to real life. So if someone wanted to contact you, what would be the best way for them to get <laughs> You open the door. You oh, open no. the door. You said it. How many listeners, how many listeners do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Call, you know, find me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Stephen Fails Online on Instagram. Um, uh, I'm on Facebook. I've had a Facebook page, Stephen Fails, F-A-L-E-S, F as in Frank. It's as bad as it sounds. Fails, fails. When all else fails, never fails, epic fails. <laughs> so yeah, I'm there and I can point you in directions. The Pride Center, the Utah Pride Center. I've raised a lot of money for them and other organizations that are out there. The Trevor Project. Um, and guess what else? You might be surprised. Sometimes it's that wicked Mormon mom or dad that might actually be willing to meet you halfway. And I know that my dad met me halfway and, uh, we've been working it out. And, uh, so just don't, don't, uh, quit five minutes before the miracle. So, um, as we wrap this up, there's just one more thing I want to ask you. Do you have any advice for anyone who's, you know, starting out, uh, trying to do their own play or trying to send their own message? Yes. Yes. The future belongs to those who produce what they create. So not only did I write the show, but I went and raised the money. I wasn't sitting around waiting for the public theater in New York to say, ah, this is liberal enough to do, (laughs) uh, You know what I mean? Or this fits our agenda this year, you know, in a year of transgender stories, you know, Mormon boy didn't really fit that year. So guess what? You go out and you raise the money to, to give yourself the break you need. So that's my big advice. And also grab a copy of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. The Artist's Way, she's a mentor of mine and a good friend. So you might get some pieces there. I just bought that. Right? I haven't read it yet. It's awesome. So your creativity, I'll tell you, your dreams, your creativity will see you through. Just keep holding on to those. Fantastic. And uh, as always, you can follow me at Johnny McKeon. Sarah, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Sarah Isaacson one and Instagram at unofficially Sarah. Wait, wait, wait. I'm on Twitter, too. I'm more. My handle is Mormon boy. Oh, yes, that's right. At Mormon. Boy. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and then you can always find Sasha at Mr. Underscore Bloom. Stephen, thank you for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your message. This has been enlightening. Ah, well, my pleasure. Thank you so much. Mormon boy, fight the fight. Mormon boy, choose the right. Mormon boy, touch the sky. Mormon boy, don't you cry. Mormon boy, true is true. Mormon boy, when you're through.